In lieu of sponsorship this week, if you are looking to help the Hurricane Harvey relief effort, please donate money instead of goods. Relief organizations will almost certainly be able to make better use of your cash than your stuff. There are many organizations doing important work, and I am not endorsing any one over another. But if you are looking for a way to focus your donation on Harvey, you might consider the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund, which is administered by the Greater Houston Community Foundation, ghcf.org slash hurricane relief. Hi, my name is Ed Burke, and welcome to An Extra Glance, the podcast in which I look behind the scenes of well-known stories from the news and from history, this week ignoring the big news to look at the history of one of the president's more arbitrary powers. On Friday, President Trump issued his first presidential pardon, the controversial pardon of Sheriff Joe Arpaio, who a month ago was found guilty of criminal contempt for repeatedly violating court orders. I'm not going to look at the merits of this case, but what I am going to do is explore the history of presidential pardons. The U.S. Constitution provides broad pardon powers to the president, but early presidents did not use this power broadly. In his first term, George Washington did not pardon anybody. The Internet sadly provides conflicting information on who the first pardon recipients were. Multiple sources claim that the first pardons followed the Whiskey Rebellion, but an analysis by P.S. Ruckman suggests that Washington issued at least two pardons prior to the Whiskey Rebellion, but unfortunately doesn't provide details. In any case, the Whiskey Rebellion spawned, if not the first, two of the earliest pardons in American history, and the most famous of Washington's presidency. The groundwork for the Whiskey Rebellion was laid in 1791 when the federal government enacted a tax on distilled spirits to help pay down revolutionary war debt, Whiskey producers in western Pennsylvania refused to pay the tax and began to organize militias to fight. By 1794, President Washington had decided that the insurrection needed to be put down, and he led 13,000 troops to enforce the law. Faced with this show of force, the rebels quickly capitulated. Two of their number, Philip Vigol and John Mitchell, were convicted of treason. Wishing to avoid further provocations, Washington pardoned the two in July 1785. All told, Washington pardoned or commuted sentences for only 16 people. His successor, John Adams, 21. After that, the numbers rise, with most presidents from Jefferson through Lincoln pardoning between 100 and 400 people. The end of the Civil War saw a massive spike in pardons. In May 1865, President Andrew Johnson issued a general amnesty available to most people who participated in the rebellion, although rebel leaders and people who'd abandoned U.S. government posts were not eligible. The general amnesty was contingent on making an oath of allegiance to the United States and included both a pardon and a restoration of most property excluding slaves. There were several further amnesties which broadened the scope of those eligible until, on Christmas Day, 1868, Johnson issued a full and unconditional pardon to anyone who had participated in the rebellion. Civil War amnesty aside, Franklin Roosevelt holds the record for the most pardons with 2,819 plus an additional 488 commutations. Truman and Eisenhower each pardoned over a 1,000, and LBJ and Nixon each pardoned a bit under a 1,000. But in recent years, pardons have become less common. President Reagan pardoned less than 400 people, and George H.W. Bush only 74. President Obama stands out, for although he pardoned only 212, he commuted the sentences of 1715, 
more than any other president. Interestingly, though recent presidents have not handed out as many pardons as their predecessors, requests for clemency have skyrocketed. The 47,000 requests received by George W. Bush and Obama equals the total received by all presidents from FDR through Clinton. Many pardons are quiet affairs, but some are controversial. Perhaps most famously, at least until last week, Gerald Ford's pardoning of Richard Nixon. A month after taking office, Ford pardoned Nixon for his role in Watergate, stating that he wanted to spare the country the experience of prosecuting a former president. The pardon caused an uproar, and many people, including Ford himself, blamed it for Ford's loss in the 1976 election. However, though the pardon still remains controversial, over time public perceptions of it have improved. In 2001, Ford received the John F. Kennedy Profile in Courage Award. Of course, when many people think of presidential pardons, they think of the Thanksgiving turkey. Farmers and industry groups began sending turkeys to the president during the Grant administration. These apparently were heartily accepted without a hint of clemency until 1963, when JFK announced that he would let the 55-pound turkey he was given live. Some members of the press reported that he pardoned the turkey, though he didn't actually use that word. The tradition of an annual pardon of the turkey began in 1989 when George H.W. Bush announced that he was pardoning the 50-pound tom that he had been given. Nearly every year since then, the president has ceremonially pardoned the turkey that he has been given. These, of course, do not count in the overall clemency totals for each president. Statistics on Clemency from the 18th and 19th Century from Federal Executive Clemency in the United States by P.S. Ruckman, Jr. Statistics from the 20th and 21st Centuries from the Justice Department's Office of the Pardon Attorney. History of the Whiskey Rebellion from MountVernon.org. President Johnson's Amnesties from the Presidency Project at UC Santa Barbara. Thanksgiving Turkeys from a History Channel article by Christopher Klein. See you next week on An Extra Glance.